Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome today. GirlfriendIt is here to help you with tips and tricks to becoming remarkable. And some days it's hard to, to move forward and feel remarkable and have that relentlessly positive attitude when you just get stuck in life. And we have some amazing guests today. So if you are here listening in today, uh, we will be chatting with women who allowed God to work through them and become unstuck. So how do we make room for God? God and get out of the way. Our first topic is regarding, uh, we have a guest, Jennifer Roach, and today we are talking with her. Uh, she's been making room for the last 40 years as she's dealing with a journey in being sexually coerced when she was a junior in high school by Les Huey, her youth pastor. And Pastor Les Huey's alleged crimes date back to the 1970s. His accusers span from Modesto to his current church. In Arizona. So, Jennifer, I just want to thank you so much for being on our show today, for sharing your story. And the reason we wanted to hear from you is to truly create a safe place for other women to be able to move forward, to make that space. And as we see in today's uh, culture and just what's going on with more and more women that are coming forward with these sexual abuse allegations. So, our, our hope is that we create the safe platform. that healing can take place for the women and for the church. So once again, thank you, Jennifer. And we're just going to jump right in. Do you mind telling us your story? Like I said, that dates back from when you were a junior in high school. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I'll make a small correction. I have been involved in this Les Huey situation. Um, But Les wasn't actually my youth pastor and I wasn't abused by Les. I was abused by another pastor from the same church in Modesto, California, that Les came from. That church actually produced seven pastors who were sexually abusive. Um, And so all this story, this story about Les broke um, in the Modesto Bee, which is the paper of record in that town, um, and they broke my story um, way back in February. And when that came out is when um, some of Les's victims who grew up in the same church that I did when they started coming out and they came to the paper and said, well, wait a minute, this has happened to us too. And this guy is still a pastor and we're really worried for any other girls or women that might be experiencing it now. Wow. So, so what made you even come forward then? Cause you, cause you heard the last story or. So what the last story came. Yeah, the less story came out after my story did. That came out because the bee, who they're extraordinary on this topic. They have gotten it right where everybody else has gotten a lot of it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, I started a conversation with a reporter there, um, and he was interested, and we started talking, and it took us months, literally months, to do all the research and develop the story. Um and I, part of why I wanted to do it is I had been trying to get into conversation 
with that church. It's my home church, right? I don't, I mean, I don't attend there anymore, but that's where I grew up. Yeah. I've been trying to be in conversation with them about this for a really, really long time, and it's never gone anywhere. And then last year, the Me Too thing happens, and I started to think maybe, maybe there's a, a new chance to get this into discussion, and the church still wouldn't discuss it with me. Um, so then, you know, what do you do? You, you turn to the media, and I know some people are kind of skeptical of that, and, and to be honest, I was too. Um, but the media only gets involved in churches when things have gone wrong, right? right. And things went really wrong there. Right. Well, your story and, and these stories, like you said, of so many women that are coming forward, um, I think just hearing, I mean, basically I, what I take is that a lot of these pastors are saying it was consensual and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which just makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I have I a daughter, a teenage daughter that is also um, in a junior in high school. And mm-hmm. so the reason why I am so passionate, obviously, is you're, you're watching the, these girls that they are going away to church camp. They are spending a lot of their time mm-hmm. there um, at, at the church. And I love the church. I absolutely, I, absolutely I love Jesus. I, I, I hear these stories and it just makes my soul bleed that there Me are these men, yes, that are having sex with these young girls. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I pray that it is time for us to pause and reflect and ask the right questions. You know, what now, what can we do as women leaders yeah. in the church to prevent this from ever happening again? And what can we do just for so many women who, who need to heal that are yeah. even just listening right now with that gross feeling in their stomach going, you know what happened? I kind of blamed myself because I thought it mm-hmm. was my part. And, you know, here you are after 40 years going, no, this has got to stop. I'm going to do something. I'm going to move, move forward, even if it is talking to the media. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some forgiveness and reconciliation, too, that that needs to, you know, <laughs> come forward. And I, I don't know, are you at the point, were you ever at the point where you wanted to hear from this guy to just say, I'm, I'm sorry I did that to you? What? What are some of your healing areas that you've dealt with? Yeah. So right now, kind of the most current one for me is I am learning, like along with everybody else, to start to recognize some of the language that even I internalized about myself. Um, Like often it's couched in terms of um, this man had an inappropriate relationship with this girl while he was married, right? As if the relationship as if it's a relationship issue, right? He has cheated on his wife with this girl. And it's not. It's actually a criminal issue. Um, it's, not, it's not a sin issue. It's not a relationship problem. Um, it's criminal and punishable by law. So that <laughs> right. switch, right? Um, the, I, even, even stuff around West, like that statement has been said by his church that this is a, this is a marriage issue. And no, it's actually not. I'm sure there's some issues going on in their marriage. I'm praying for their marriage, um, but it's actually a, a criminal act. So mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of part of it. Um, the other part of it is trying my best to hold on to my own faith. I still very much am a person of faith. I'm actually ordained in my denomination. I lead in my church. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I couldn't get through this without that. And I know a lot of women who have been through it, they make a different choice about their faith, right? They, they can't find their path forward and they end up without faith at all, which to me, uh, I mean, you want to talk about even more criminal and not in the legal sense, but these women are robbed not only of this um, innocence, but of robbed of their faith. Absolutely. And that's the part that, that really, really motivates me is um, these guys do not get to win. You do not get to do that to women. Mm-hmm. You do not get to take away their faith as their source of joy and comfort. Like you've already taken enough from them. You do not get to take this away. And that for me is kind of why I'm in this fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how did you get to that point, Jennifer? Like where was the, you know, so many times we hear, I want to say Christianese because, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've had some just junk that that's there and you get, wounded by by the church and like I said I just I am relentlessly positive that it, it's Jesus that we focus on people will always hurt us and and I hear what That's you're right. saying and and what what has happened to you and to so many women out there when men are actually taking you to that point where they're they're having sex um and mm-hmm. like you said taking your your innocence away how do you deal with the forgiveness that's there you know it's really complicated yeah, it, it's really complicated. I found that um, forcing it doesn't help. Um, early on in my process, in like my 20s and my 30s, it was really um, impressed upon me the importance of forgiveness and that it was sort of a pre-gone conclusion by everyone around me of like, well, now you forgive and, and then everything's going to be fine and, and you get to move on. And it doesn't really actually work that way. That's kind mm-hmm. of a cheap forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You really actually have to go through a a time of mourning and a time of dealing with the damage. And then forgiveness starts to come. Um, but you can never force a victim into forgiveness. One of my one of my hopes and um so far encouragements in all of this situation, um, with less is that so far no one is pronouncing um preemptive forgiveness for him, right? Um, he he needs to go through a process, mm-hmm. right? The women that he's hurt need to go through a process. And sometimes in the church, we truncate that, and we want it over so fast um, so that we can have this beautiful testimony. Oh, this happened, and I forgave him, and everybody moved on, and, and Jesus is the best. Well, Jesus is the best, but <laughs> um, it, Jesus is also asking us to go through a process of actually recognizing the damage. For me, the way that has looked is years and years and tens of thousands of dollars in counseling. I mean, just to be honest, I have an amazing therapist and we (laughs) wrestle through this stuff for years, right? That's how it's happened for me. Mm -hmm. Well, Jennifer, this, I I wish we could continue this conversation. We just have a minute left before we go into commercial break, but I, I, I definitely want to continue this conversation. We need to have you back on the show because there's so much here to unpack and exactly what you said just now on, you know, for our listeners out there, first of all, if you had something like this, that's happened to you, I don't care how many years ago, um, to, to be able to deal with the morning, to be able to unpack the damage, to be able to realize, yes, Jesus is the best, but we do have to talk to somebody and we have to be yeah. able to get, you know, hopefully some professional help if we really want healing to, to take place. Mm-hmm. 
And beyond that, for once again, as a church and women in leadership in the church, to be able to look for these signs, to not ignore the signs, and then when we see what's taking place, to be able to show up. And even if it's there, to be able to create that safe place, that non-judgmental place to go, how are you and what kind of help can can we um, get for you rather than just shoving it aside and saying, don't talk about it. So with that, yes. we are going into Love that. Right. Thank you, Jennifer. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A hundred years ago, only about 10% of adults were overweight. But today, an estimated 61% of Americans are overweight. Yet we have the same genes as our ancestors. What's changed isn't our genes, but our lifestyle. Our lives have become more sedentary, and our daily activity level has decreased for the days of our past relatives. We have loads of unhealthy processed food and easily accessed fast food. Ultimately, your behavior determines the number on the scale. If you choose healthy, low-calorie food and exercise, you can lose weight or maintain your present weight. Choose the right behaviors and reap the rewards of a healthy lifestyle. Stay active, eat light, nutritious food, and watch your health increase as your weight decreases. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to Girlfriended. And now we're talking about what is God doing in and through you? It's a question we should all be asking ourselves. And we are speaking with author Billy Jouse. And she just recently wrote the book, Making Room, and joining a spiritual journey towards the discovery of the reasons behind stagnant faith. And Billy, first of all, just welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to hear um, a little bit more. I have not had a chance to um, finish your book. I've been going through it, and uh, I, I love just your heart. And, you know, we all, especially women, and that's who, you know, the majority of our listeners are, just that 
busy life um, that truly stands in the way, even to the point, I, I know this morning, I, I just dealt with um, my, my daughter was at the emergency room yesterday, and yeah. She had, I'm going to, I'm going to say the name wrong, a topic pregnancy and it literally burst. And so she, topic, yeah, yes. And, uh, yeah, I had to run off there my entire family, you know, being crazy inside of the ER and, uh, you know, you, you get home late at night and you know, you're, you're preparing for (laughs) a show. Yeah. I'm I'm having, you know, this fabulous guest that was just before you, Jennifer, share her heart on uh, this, you know, horrific thing that has happened to her. And so many women right now are are coming forward with these um, just sexual assaults that have taken place. And, you know, I I absolutely love the church. And so I struggle in you see, you, you, you don't want it to come forward because you saw what took place in the Catholic church. And so now right. that it's coming in, it's coming into our world. So stop it. I Satan. know. And, yeah. um, and yet you want to create a safe place for people to heal and talk. And especially these pastors that you want to have them get help. And how do we prevent this from happening and happening? You know, how do we yeah. even in the profiling and, uh, interviewing process to be able to figure right. this through, I don't know, psychological testing. I don't know. But all of this goes right into your book of making room. So tell us your story on what, where were you in your life that all of a sudden God just laid this on your heart to write this book? Well, it, the funny backstory of it is, is I never dreamed of writing a book. I was a critical care nurse and I am the wife of a major league baseball coach. And I raised three boys pretty much alone because of my husband's job and mm-hmm. my wonderful husband, just his job is very demanding time-wise. And so my life was full. I had a lot of stuff going on. And as my husband pointed out, I had the right hand syndrome. So when the church said, <laughs> we need a volunteer for, my right hand went up and said, yes, me, I'll do it. I'll help. I'll do that. I was team mom. I was baseball mom. I was the mom to the wives of major league baseball teams. I was, I was doing all this really good God stuff. And going into my son's senior year, I'm sitting in church with my to-do list that I had to get accomplished that day in my Bible so Mm -hmm. I could write more things down while the sermon was going on. (laughs) And my pastor read Ephesians 3.20 to uh, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. Mm. And I didn't hear what he said before that, but I distinctly heard what he said after he said, what is God doing in and through you? Well, me being the doer, my mm-hmm. spirit spiked up very defensively of, what do you mean, what is God doing in and through me? I can make a list of what God is doing in and through me. And so when I got home that night after running all my errands and after the sermon, and God had, had really nagged at me all day, you know how that is when, when, mm-hmm. when you hear something speaking into your spirit and you're like, okay, God, I'm too busy for that right now. Oh, I'm there right and, now. Yes, my language. That's where I am this morning. Exactly. Aren't we all there all the time? That's the thing. We never get rid of busyness and that swirling chaos in our life. But I went home and I made the list. And when I made the list, it was all I am. It was not what God was doing. It was what I was doing. And I knew in that moment that God really wanted to take me on this spiritual journey of figuring out my spiritual stagnation and my complacency, even as a good Christian woman, 
You know, I, I lead Bible studies. I, I read my Bible to teach. I, you know, all of this. Yeah. But I knew God wanted to do that, and I, I didn't have time, but I made time. And that's what took me into this journey that I went through that collided with another journey of a friend of mine writing a book on how to write a novel in 10 minutes a day. And I was guinea-pigging for her. And, and long story short, God had a big bang happen in my life where that spiritual journey and that writing journey came together and I wrote down what had happened and how I had been transformed because number one, we're never going to get rid of all the busyness in our life. And the, and the, the, um, the name of the book is making dream doing less so God can do more. It's not that we're going to get rid of all the busyness. It's making the right choices and evaluating our heart and seeing where are we really? Are we looking as, as Christ, as our Savior? With what you're talking about, of sexual abuse in the church, um, we lived in a big city when the Catholic crisis went down, and we were in the midst of a lot of hurting people. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I kept saying to them is this is, you know, everybody wanted to be mad at God. This is not a God thing. God was not there when these things were happening. To create our lives on a foundation of Christ, those things don't get allowed. They get stopped. There are things that happen. I'm not ever going to deny that. There are sick people in this world. However, having Christ as our Savior, as that foundation, is the root of it. So. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some tips as, as you were going along and, um, you know, that's such a great, great thought. Cause are we ever really going to get rid of the busyness in our world? No, you know, we're going to have twirling chaos and, and yes. I, I wrote, you know, collide with God, not with busyness. When you said that, I got that visualization of, you know, twirling. Exactly. And so we're, we need to figure out a way, and that's what you, you, your book is all about, doing less so God can do more. And it's easy to yeah. say that. I mean, I can sit there right now, oh. like I said, my life is in chaos right now. And I go, oh, Patty, do less so God can do more. Just move out of the way. <laughs> it's not that easy. As you know, it is not that easy. You know, I, go, I wrote the book about making room, doing less so God can do more. And right. in the process of of launching this book, my life was so overwhelmed, I didn't know what to do. And it goes back to making sure that you have the priorities set right in your life, that you're spending time with God. You're aware of Him at every moment of your life. Because what that does is it helps you to listen. It helps you to understand His will in your life, His will for us all, his, to listen for his guidance in the next thing you're going to do. So putting the priority, the, those most important things first. Time is God. We all need to be reading God's word. And, and everybody's like, oh, my God, I don't have time. Well, you're going to have a lot less time if you think of it that way. I just started a new reading plan. And I tell people all the time, there are so many reading plans out there. There are so many ways of how to read the Bible. Just open it. Open it. Open it to a page and start reading there. Ask God to, to guide you to the things that he wants you to see and hear from him. You know, those are the things that help put those priorities in place. You know, and we have different priorities in our life that you have a radio show. That is a big priority in your life. So you have to take time for that. And as you put the place of the, put those bigger priorities in your spirit and 
connect with God, all that other little stuff fills in the other spaces. So as long as you have God roaming your your soul, your spirit, that Holy Spirit roaming within you, that helps you to prioritize what's most important, and that takes you to a level of being able to, to still do a lot, but your priorities are more refined because God is first. And that takes you to the point of being able to live intentionally, Live with intent to glorify God in all that you're doing. Now, I loved volunteering for my son's baseball team, but there were some non-God-glorifying moments in high school with the craziness of that. You know, Mm -hmm. could I have delegated something to someone else? Could I have passed off the theater food day to someone else? Could I have asked someone to stop and pick up the, you know, the fruit for the theater production rather than me stopping to get it? Those things you can prioritize better when you have that foundation of, okay, God, what is glorifying you and what is, what, where do I need to put my energy? Mm-hmm. So when I talk about doing less, it's about allowing God to, to do more in us. So the work that we're doing, that he's doing through us is more profound, mm-hmm. more meaningful, more God glorifying. Well, and that, that's such a perfect tip for our listeners, God roaming your spirit helps you prioritize. (laughs) And it it does. Yes. So many times. And and we hear this all the time. Oh, we, we can plan our vacation, you know, that, that once a year vacation, but we don't plan out our, our week, our month, you know, just our daily. And when we do make room for those big priorities, which, would be spending that time, even if I, I know for me, and I, I've shared this before, that uh, when I had smaller kids, I, I used to just bring my Bible or a devotional book and move it as I went along. You just sit it yeah. down next to the dishes and you look at it because even if you go, I'm just going to read one page, I'm just going to read yeah. for one minute. And then lo and behold, you, you start craving that because we are creatures of habit, not only for you know the spiritual discipline of that. But you just start craving Jesus where you, you, you can't do. move forward without him roaming your spirit to, to help you prioritize like that. So uh, what what a great tip. And, and I have to ask you real quick, Billy, before we go into our commercial break, we have one minute. Uh, is your husband still coaching? And where was he <laughs> as a baseball coach? Yeah, he is. He is now a coach with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I'm sitting in my apartment in Pittsburgh getting ready to go over to our game that starts at 1235. I'm, I'm not going right there right after I get off the phone. I'm, I'm one of those late goers because my husband <laughs> stays at the ballpark an hour after. So I see a lot of baseball. So we have been, this is our 31st year in professional baseball, our 16th year in the major league, at the major league level. We have been with the Montreal Expos, the Boston Red Sox, the Los Angeles Dodgers, Baltimore Orioles, New York Mets, and now the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we've seen a lot of baseball. And then God decided he was going to bless me with three boys that are obsessed. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. 
It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power. In those stories, learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are chatting with Billy Joust, and her life has been filled with all kinds of adventure and excitement. She's married to a professional baseball coach, and she's actually sitting there getting ready to go in for a game with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, Billy, you're not going to actually go into the game. You get to sit there and watch it. But you have recently just finished a book called Making Room, and I, I love what you said, how you have the right hand disease where your right hand is... Right-hand syndrome, yes. Right-hand syndrome, and I'm with you on that. And there was a couple things that you said, uh, and I want to get into because you have three sons that uh, hopefully they all play play baseball. But you, there were certain things that, you know, in making room, I, I look back and with my kids, because my mom was a stay-at-home mom, I wanted to be yeah. that mom, and yet I worked. And so I had the right hand syndrome where I felt like I had to be the room mom. I had to be there for, you know, all of their, their games and sports activities. And not only did I want to be there, but I needed to show up, you know, with cupcakes and cookies and all that. Cause that's what I did. And I, I, I don't even like to cook. I don't like to be. (laughs) And so it was finally someone, it was actually a prayer warrior of mine that came along and said, why are you doing all this? Like, it's okay not to be the room mom. You can show up for your kids in other ways. And, and it goes back to when God is roaming your spirit, you're, you're able to set those boundaries. You're able to go, you know, how do I prioritize? What's, what's high here? What's medium? What's low? And then number it, label it, whatever, you know, to to carry these emotions and go, I guess what? I'm in the kitchen and I'm baking and I absolutely do not like to bake. So don't let that be your priority. Figure out another way 
that you can be the superhero mom. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And so I, we, I love your tips on that. Yeah, we um, in the book, I, I talk about how God gives us individual unique gifts because we're not all gifted in the same things. For me, I overdid because I was trying to compensate for my husband not being around because my husband left in, and still does. Now I go with him because we're empty nesters. But my husband left in February and came home in October or November. Now we pack up and go for the summer with him, but he didn't get to come to school events. Um, our kids, all three of our boys played baseball in high school, and he never saw my oldest son throw a live pitch in a baseball game mm-hmm. until my son was going into his junior year of high school, and we were in L.A. with the Dodgers, and my son was playing just south of L.A., and his, it just so happened, a, a God thing, that his coach had played for my husband in the minor leagues with the Orioles, oh, wow. and mm-hmm. so his coach Rolo says, D, has your dad ever seen you play? Because he understood. Most people think your dad's in baseball. You get all the perks. He sees you play all the time. Mm -hmm. No. So Rolo held the game, and David, my husband, was able to see the first pitch that my son threw in a game when he was 17 years old. My husband had never seen him pitch live before. Mm -hmm. So those were the things that happened. Now, going back to the making room, your unique gift is that when you have the Holy Spirit roaming in those places, there's one part of the book where I talk about spiritual rinsing. When I was going through this journey, I needed a power washer to clean the junk out of my spirit. Was it sinful and gross and terrible? No. It was a lot of junk. It was a lot of stuff. It was a lot of me. And I needed to just power wash that out of me, the distractions that were keeping me away from God. And I had to power wash those out so that the Holy Spirit could roam in me so that, therefore, I could ask him and hear him telling me where to go. What's the next thing? What's the priority that, of the places that he wanted me to be? And so that took away a lot of that guilt and that I have to make up for my husband or I have to do this to look good as a Christian woman, or Mm -hmm. I have to, in my mind. So that's where it really came into those unique gifts. What's the platform God's given you? Well, in professional baseball, yes, we do have a magnificent platform. People will listen to my husband talk about Jesus just so they can ask him a question afterwards about why they had that hit-and-run play on in the third inning yesterday, you know, but they listened to my husband about Jesus. And so, yeah, our platform is a bit different, but guess what my biggest platform is? My biggest platform is walking into the ballpark and seeing the security guys and women every day saying, hey, how are you? Oh, are you feeling better? How's your life? Knowing them, loving them, where they are, where I am, sitting in the stands with the Pirates' wives. We are very blessed with a great group of wives with the Pirates, and we actually do Bible study together. And right now, we're actually doing a book study on my book, which is a tad bit weird to sit in on a group doing your (laughs) book, but um, they're wonderful, and it is amazing to see how God is transforming their thoughts and their practices, and what they're, what they're thinking, what they're doing, what they're acting on through the words that God gave me in this book. And that, you know, that helps us to see, because as baseball wives, we have a busy life. Um, and then, you know, as your kids leave the house, you still have a busy life. I have one son that's still playing baseball living in Belgium. 
Uh, he just left Australia from playing baseball. He's hanging on to that dream with his nails in the chalkboard. <laughs> and my middle son's in graduate school for sports psychology. And then my baby, and he's not playing baseball anymore, but my baby boy, my baby boy, he's 21 turning 22, six foot tall. He is playing baseball at New York University and, and studying economics and journalism. So my life is busy. There's a lot of stuff going on. But each day I ask God, what do you want me to do for you today? What is it that you want me to do for you? And because I'm in his word, because I'm focusing on glorifying him every day, and not that I'm perfect. Gosh knows I make mistakes often, (laughs) but I quickly know, okay, I'm not going to live in the shame of that mistake. I'm going to live in the conviction that God's putting on my heart and changing that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's that difference of being in that connection with God and that deep relationship with God of how he leads us to, to do less so he can do more through us. Mm. Well, Billy, first of all, you have this dynamic personality that I just want to sit yeah. and have coffee with you and, and definitely go through your, your, your book. So I'm, I'm a little time. <laughs> when you said that you're sitting there doing this as your devotional, um, I, I want to be there. So I might have to Skype in on a, a, a few times, but a couple other things that you said on God has given you a huge platform, obviously, but I love that you shared with the security guard, with the people that yeah. you're just meeting daily and meeting them, you know, where they are. Because I, what I see so many times in younger women leaders, especially in mm-hmm. ministry, they want this, you know, Beth Moore platform. And oh, yeah. they, I, you know, so many times I have younger, um, just women coming up saying, how do I get a voice like yours? How do I get up on stage? How did you start, you know, speaking at retreats? And it's exactly what you just said. It's okay, God, what do you want me to do today? It's, 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 you know, just showing up and being there for the security guard to say hello to. And those people are the ones that if that's the route that God's going to have you, you know, truly experiencing God and, and moving forward. Uh, it just doesn't happen overnight where all of a sudden you say, okay, I want to go speak in front of a thousand women. It's doing your, your daily showing up for the little things and being faithful and uh, there, there's so much to be said for that. And you yeah, know, I, I do want to say one thing about that speaking thing in chapter eight of my book on platform. It starts out with this experience I had of seeing this dynamic speaker. And if you would ask me um, when my son was like a sophomore in high school, my baby boy, if you would ask me what I was going to do when he was out of the house, I would have told you I'm going to be on a speaking circuit. That's what I'm going to do. Well, God shut that down. I went from having four to six speaking engagements a year to having two. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing? This is not my plan. This is not what you want me to do. But it was all about me, not about God. And when I went through this journey and took that step back and said, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do for you? He continually pushed me towards writing. Now, I had been writing devotions for 12 years for Baseball Chapel, which is a Christian organization for professional baseball. But I didn't consider myself a writer. God had told me many times to write, but I'd just write another devotion. 
I didn't listen to what he wanted. I was listening to what my desires were, what my heart's desires were. So when I finally took that step back and said, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? And I obeyed that rather than delaying obedience for 12 years, because I like saying <laughs> delaying obedience, not disobedience. But delaying, you know, delaying obedience for 12 years, it's like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And all of a sudden, doors and windows flew open for writing. And now, no, I didn't very gracefully walk through and parade myself into writing a book. I fought tooth and nail. I didn't want to write a book. I, I honestly, I got D's in high school English. How am I going to write a book, you know? And my dad used to say to me, how do you get A's in Spanish and D's in English? And I'm like, Daddy, I'm from North Carolina. We don't speak English. <laughs> so how can I write a book? But it's amazing what God will do in your life when you submit to him and say yes, before you even know what he's asking you to do. So maybe some of these girls that want these big platforms that we, a lot of us, I mean, we'd like those social media likes. I love it on Instagram when I see all these little hearts. I love when people respond to my videos. I love that. But why am I doing it? Am I doing it to build me up or am I doing it to build Jesus up? Mm, and that's yeah. been part of promoting this book. It's really hard for me to say, oh, go buy my book. I want you to buy my book, not because I want to sell books. But because I want this message that God has for you in your heart. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to even remember that I wrote it. I hope you do because I, I worked hard on it. But I want <laughs> yeah. you to remember what God said. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. And the women that have been coming to me, the majority of the women that I've had a lot of response from that I didn't even think of in writing this book is women in ministry. Because mm-hmm. women in ministry pour out so much of themselves to serve God. Mm-hmm. And they get stagnant and complacent and burnt out. And it's really going back to that place of just me and Jesus first, just me and him face to face. And then all the other stuff falls into place. So, yeah, well, that, sorry, I interrupted you, but <laughs> no, Billy, you, you just, that was a, a perfect ending to, to the segment. We're going to get ready to go into a commercial break, but I love that. I love what you said about the spirit, spiritual rinsing, just cleaning out your junk so you can be able yes. to hear him and ask him. And with that, we just want to thank you again for being on the show uh, today with thank us. Thank you. Good luck with your book. Thank you. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. 
Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The largest joints in your body are your hips and knees, and they are often plagued with pain and can keep us from exercising. Millions of Americans have pain in these joints, and their pain can be short-term and injury-related, which is acute pain, or off-again, on-again pain, which is recurrent, or pain that lasts for three months or more, which is chronic. According to Harvard Medical School, the solution might be a set of exercises, pain relief medication, minor surgery, replacement, or some combination of these. The bottom line is, if you experience pain in any joint, get it checked out by a doctor. Don't let pain and immobility keep you from exercising. Find out what the problem is, treat it, and get right back into the exercise groove. All the benefits of daily exercise lie ahead of you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome. We've been talking today, and, and we hope you guys are all just soaking this in and asking yourself the question, what is God doing in and through you? And it's a question that Billy, our last guest, was talking about in her book, In Making Room. And I'm so excited to introduce you to our, our last guest of the show, and that is Tally Wynn. I met Tally just last month at a women's retreat where I was speaking, and we, it was all about just sharing your story. And as we're talking today about, you know, twirling chaos and Clyde with God, not with the busyness of life, Tally was someone who just touched my heart when I heard her story and uh, just... I, I, I want to, to say so much, but I want Tally to be able to tell her story because I feel like we're just, you know, speeding through this this show. So welcome, Tally. I'm so excited that you were able to be on the show, and I hope you're having a fabulous Thursday. Absolutely, Patty. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, and I just want to say it was such a joy hearing you speak at our women's retreat. It was such a treat for us. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. And Tally, you have had, when we're, we're talking about what is God doing in and through you, Ephesians 3.20, um, just soaking in his power, and you definitely just shine his light. You've had some craziness go on, and I, I, I would like to start with the craziness. As you went into college, you went to college here in Arizona, and can you just share a little bit about how God, the tragedies that, that took place, but what's amazing about you is you, I, and I know you've had to deal with a lot, and so many times we hear, you know, these people go through tragedies, but look at them, they're just like shining for Jesus, <laughs> and so if you're out there as a listener going, oh, I'm in the grieving stage, and but but it does give us hope when we see people like you to go, you know what, yeah, it's not like it just disappears, and that's that's the thing in talking with you, it's, it's not like you wave this magic wand, and God is your genie, and all of this pain goes away, but just in watching you, and hearing you, talk about this. So can you share a little bit about your journey? 
Absolutely. Um, you know, and I'll just start by saying that there's so many vulnerable moments in our lives that um, God brings us that aren't easy to go through and aren't hard. Um, and I'm not here to, to tell women that I know what they're going through because I don't. God brings us through so many different things, and every person is so different that um, that God just changes situations for each and every one of you. Um, but yeah, so as I was Going into college, I really hit hit a hard spot in my life. Um, and when you go through hard spots, you always say, okay, this is the worst my life can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's more. <laughs> um, and so, well, yeah, when I went to college, I, um, you know, had my, my first serious boyfriend. You know, I always grew up believing that purity is a, a huge thing, um, part of a marriage, part of your walk with Christ, and such a great thing. Um, and then it's something that I, I just was really vulnerable with in college, um, starting with, with my first uh, boy that I gave my heart to, um, who decided that this world was just too much for him. Um, and just after dating for a little bit, uh, he did. He committed suicide. Um, and such a such a hard thing for um, for me to go through at such a such a young age. But um, I'll tell you, without without that experience, uh, God wouldn't have brought me my husband I have now. Um, I ended up moving back at home uh, where I met my husband, who was the roommate of my brother's, um, and, and just met him and fell in love with him and married him just after three months of uh, dating him. Uh, wow. So that's just something that God just uh, showed me and and uh, lit my way for that. Um, but four months after we got married, uh, my brother was killed. He was a missionary in Mozambique, Africa, um, through the IMB, and, and did amazing work there, planted so many seeds that I'm so proud to say that are continuing today. Um, and so, yeah, you know, going through the hurt of, of watching a good friend, you know, hurt themselves and end their life, and then, um, you know, just uh, less than a year after that, uh, dealing with the death of, of my best friend, my brother, um, and also being a newlywed, which, you know, has the stress of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Patty, after being married uh, for about uh, five years, um, you know, we were pregnant with our third child. And uh, at 38 weeks, um, I had, you know, the unthinkable happen um, where I thought I was in labor and went in and they couldn't find a heartbeat. And, um we weren't able to save her in an emergency C-section. And, um, such a hard thing to go through, um, having two little ones at home already um, and dealing with that, um, also dealing with some other catastrophic things that have happened in my marriage um, that I cannot tell you how vulnerable God had me in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wanted to bring up Romans fifteen thirteen says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and for those listening out there, I just, I just hope that you just take this one piece that um, sometimes God throws you these really hard and hurtful situations, and sometimes following God just seems hard, um, and you become so vulnerable. Uh, and that these open wounds that you have, they're fresh and they're infected and they're hurting, um, and that, you know, this vulnerability in your life, it's so hard to keep covered. It's so hard to, um, to, to hide it because it's part of your life and it's part of who you are. Um, but I encourage people that, that if you are vulnerable, if you have these open wounds, whether they're fresh or maybe they happened 20 years ago, that you um, take that cover off and you allow that infection to heal, that you allow God to um, dig in there to fill you with his joy and his peace and that you allow this infection to heal um, and once it heals, it becomes this scar. It becomes this, this beautiful thing that um, you get to see every day. You get to, to think about every day. You get to, um, 
to feel every day uh, that God has cleaned this vulnerability in your life and created this scar that you get to go to someone and say, you know what, I have this scar, but let me tell you how far God has brought me. Um, And once you heal that scar and you tell people what your Savior has done for you, um, it becomes just part of who you are, that these hard, vulnerable situations that, uh, first, when it happened, you never thought you'd be on a radio show discussing it. (laughs) Um, right? But it becomes a, a piece of your life that you're able to share with someone and bring them to Christ. Um, mm. You know, as, as being a woman, we all know that these vulnerable situations um, in our lives aren't over. That, um, you know, you can be 97 and go through a difficult time um, the next day because that's sometimes that's just what God has for us. Um, but that these vulnerable situations don't have to be um, wounds to cover. They can be scars that we can let shine God's love, um, which has been really cool in my life. Okay, Tally, I just, I just have to say every time I, I hear you and you're you're sharing your your passion comes out your your pores and and I love Romans fifteen thirteen but what you what you're sharing here you know in our in our culture we have a tendency to you know scars are ugly and we need to hide them and we'll you know buy expensive things to, to ointments to put on them and to to hear you just share that you know. Let them heal. You you know when you have a scar and use it. Let let other people see the beauty in your scars. Uh, the first time I, I you had shared this, and that's when I was like, okay, you have got to share this with. You have no idea how many people right now are leaning in, um, especially when you share. You know, you've gone through suicide. You've gone through your best friend's uh, death. As he's doing ministry in Africa, I mean, that just, it, it, it hurts your heart. And then you lose your, your baby. And uh, for God to use you now, uh, it, it, and I, I've shared this with you, you need to be writing this book. And you need to talk to our guest, Billy, that was just on the show because she was one that said, I did not want to write. I got a D in English. And, uh, you know, here you are with the same same passion. And I feel like God is really calling you to have a voice. So I hope that you never, and for those people listening, that you don't let your age get in the way that you just start um, making room for where God has you. And as, as we finish the show, what, what are some other tips that you would share, especially you're, you're in your thirties. What would you say to just the younger generation as you know, I, I feel like there's a, a difference in getting wrapped up in the image and your beauty. And when you say that about your scars, is there anything that you give us some tips for our listeners today? Absolutely. And I, I'm actually only 28. So you added two years, but oh, I, I won't so hold that against you. <laughs> you. You've gone through so much in life. And I know you, you have this like professional career and I, you know, you have these kids and I was like, Oh man, she's gotta be you know, a little bit older. You don't look, you don't look that way, but I, I will, I, I am laughing because I, as I was thinking it, I thought, okay, I think she's in her twenties. And I thought, no, she has too much experience going on here. She's gotta be, <laughs> So 28. No, Patty. No, I I get it. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you, it is, it's so hard to be vulnerable. Um, we're doing, uh, I lead a a Bible study. It's called Wonder Woman. I'm at Royal Palms Baptist Church. And, um, we are doing a, a segment right now about our stories and about sharing your stories. Um, and I did, you know, I shared my story, uh, in depth 
with, with these ladies. Um, and afterwards, after I shared this story, um, a, a girlfriend from the Bible study came up to me and, um, she broke down with me and she said, it is so much easier to talk to you now that I know how messed up you are, <laughs> which is, I know, right. Which is so funny when you, when you think about that. Um, but sometimes God just makes you vulnerable and makes your life bumpy and makes, um, your life just so hard sometimes. Um, and you know, it's hard to say that God makes it cause that's, that's not really the case always, but when you go through this stuff, um, you know, trying to lean on God can be difficult. And sometimes God just puts you through these situations, um, to get to someone else. Um, you know, losing my child at uh, 38 weeks. Well, that's just not a common thing. That's not something that happens. But after that happened to me, there are so many people that God put in my path who have had that same situation, who have had something like that happen. Um, you know, being married so young and being married, we've been married for eight and a half years, um, but going through rough times, that those rough times have not been something that, you know, God just gives you and says, ha-ha, take that. You know, he gives you that. So, you know, maybe I have a friend going through the same thing where I can be like, let me tell you what God put us through and let me tell you how far God has brought us. Mm-hmm. Um, so for advice and tips, I just encourage you to, um, to know that, you know, I was, I'm only 19 when I got married. I mean, this has only been nine years for me that I've been through all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and those nine years have flashed by and, and maybe being vulnerable, maybe for you, it's you know, it's too fresh to talk about and that you need 20 years to go by. Um, but what I, I encourage you is that God brings vulnerable situations to your life because someone else is going through them. Someone else is dealing with them and that these vulnerable situations, they're not vulnerable. These are areas in your life that God um, uses as scars that you don't have to cover with expensive ointments, with expensive and anything. Holly, with that, we, we are ending the show. So I love that. Even when you're a hot mess, God is uh, doing things through you. Thank you, Tally, for being on the show. We're going to have to have you on again. <laughs> All right, Patty, have a good day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.